Self-worth is the unlock. We can actually just distract ourselves to the point where we're not feeling the feelings and we're not thinking about the things that we need to. We can just scroll, 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 watch TV, do work, right? You can actually get through the day without like thinking about anything uncomfortable if you design your life that way. But we, we're just delaying the inevitable. Welcome to the Self-Care Savage Podcast. A self-care savage is a term that I've coined that combines elements of self-care in a more assertive and bold approach to taking care of oneself and growing their self-worth. On the Self-Care Savage podcast, we will explore how self-care and self-worth are always in the driver's seat in all parts of our lives and how we act and react to life. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and take a quick second to give the podcast a rating and a review. That's how we grow and reach more people to spread the message. So on today's episode, we have Jacqueline Tenalia. Did I get it? Maybe? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Awesome. We're off to a good start. Um, <laughs> so Jacqueline has worked as a counselor for 15 years, and she got her start working as a counselor at a methadone clinic for over a decade. Specializes in substance abuse disorders, anxiety, stress management, and men's mental health. Has been in private practice since 2011 and started posting. Uh, she's got a great uh, Instagram profile. That's why we kind of connected with her. Uh, she's been on for uh, about two and a half years um, posting, and it looks like she's also very active on Twitter. And so uh, she's also known, I, I guess it's it's part of her, her um, Instagram profile as uh, no BS therapist. So I love that part. Um, everybody knows that has Thank anything you. to do with me knows I'm pretty... I'm pretty straightforward as well, and um, mm-hmm. it's just better that way. So, yeah, mm-hmm. let's 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 talk about that. Uh, get into that here in a minute, but I'd like to get a little bit of of your history, kind of maybe you know, just growing up as a kid, real quick, and leading up to maybe when you yeah. got when you started in in the in as a therapist. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was born hearing, and then at the age of two, I had a childhood illness that left me with about half of my hearing and a lot of balance problems. Um, so uh, grew up mostly um, in a hearing world, but knew a little bit of sign, had a sign language interpreter in school until I was like 13 or something. And so, so that's always challenging. I lost a parent at a young age. So that also kind of added to the stressors I've dealt with in my life. So we're starting to create a, a, a no BS kind of approach to life right, right there, right? And, and then working in a methadone clinic kind of solidified that worldview. So uh, I can be very straightforward and to the point. And I don't know, I'm happy to answer any other questions you might have. Yeah, absolutely. I, and and uh, yeah, I'm just always curious a little bit about, you know, where people came from and kind of what their history mm-hmm. is. Usually uh, people in the helping field, there's usually some sort of connection. Not always, yeah. but usually something that um, that they're still working on, which sometimes can be very evident as well. And then, uh, you know, what they've been through and things like that. So the methadone clinic. So that's, of course, obviously getting into working with the substance abuse and things like that. 
is that just was something you were interested in or was that something you experienced in your family or did you have something with that or? Yeah, I struggled with substance use myself when I was dealing with the, the death of a parent. So it was something that came uh, kind of intuitively to me when I was working with, you know, I eventually got to a more stable place in my life, but it was so rewarding to be able to help people in that way. And I still do. It's still a specialty of mine, even though I'm not working in a methadone clinic, I'm working private practice now. Yeah, um, uh, I know a lot about that that uh, substance abuse and addict. Uh, and also, I was an administrator for an adolescent residential treatment center mm. for years. So, oh wow, I um, with, that was a big that was a, there was a lot of core it, core issues were a lot of you know coming from substance abuse. Maybe not mm-hmm. so much with the adolescent, but certainly in the family, there was all. It's always touched. It's always something in there. Yeah. So we were we were heavy on the. Uh, the drug and alcohol counseling and and kind of going through that piece. That was a big piece, you know, a lot of assessing through that. And, you know, the, the gateway drug really is trauma, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's, it's exactly it's, and that's, again, it's, it's just so funny when I do talk to anybody, especially on social media, uh, which is why I was attracted to your page a little bit and kind of going through it and looking at that, because most of it is, People that have a, a, a approach like you do, it's it hits to the core. A lot of things you say, a lot of people are like, "What? <laughs> what just happened?" And and then there's a lot of you know a humor. It's a, there's there's a lot of you know people mm. that relax a little bit, you know, when they're they're not feeling so um, analyzed, so to speak. You know, it's it's because mm-hmm. there's it's all part of it's it really is a big part of just everything that goes on, right? Yeah, yeah. I um working in the substance use field, I was exposed to a lot of 12-step AANA folks in the community, but also their the humor and the way that people in the program heal. I found that there was just such a um, lovely, lighthearted, uh, yet serious at the same time way of looking at the world. Yeah. Some of the most amazing storytellers and most amazing people are actually people that are uh, in 12-step programs. You know, I spent a lot of time, you know, in those. Um, I think I even know probably a guy I worked with years ago that uh, is probably the greatest speaker I've ever heard uh, mm. in that sense. And the way he tells stories, he's just, it's just funny. I mean, there's all this humor inside all this tragedy, but nobody wants to just hear the tragedies, the poor me, and this was done to me and all the details and all the things like that. It's, Mm-hmm. It's and once I started healing, then I stopped. I just it got to where I just I don't even want to talk about that that stuff anymore. I mean, I'll mm-hmm. talk about it if it's helpful a little bit or give some information. Yeah, but I would rather talk about you know this is what you can do. This is where you can go. And I and I think a lot of the twelve step programs and a lot of those do lend themselves right. And so as a therapist, I would say we can only get to that place once we feel heard and validated and seen like our that our pain has is has been validated it's easier at least to be able to, to get to that kind of a mindset the one that you're just you're talking about yeah it's you know knowing you're not alone so I, I one of the things that was kind of funny as i was going through your page so um these are just some little things i wrote down so you were kind of joking at at first about um you had went you had gone to harvard 
gotten a degree or something like that. And I was expecting, I was like, oh, she went to Harvard. And I was just, I was good. I was writing it down because I was going to be like, that's going to be cool, you know. And then you said, and then you were like, uh, you got uh, a degree or actually a certificate, more like a certificate in bartending. Yeah, it was a one day course. I'm still, you know, I tell people I'm an alum. Well, so how did you bartend for a while? How long did you do that for? No, I never even used it. Oh, you did? You just... when I when I was real with myself, I realized as a hard of hearing person, the bar is the last place that I should be working. So <laughs> I never actually did anything with it. Or or I could read lips. Actually, it would be it would be pretty good. You just do a lot of this. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, okay. I just, yeah, I was, I kind of wanted to touch on that. And the other, one of the other things about your page and some of the, you know, it, it's, uh, you, one of the things I read was stop carelessly throwing around the term narcissist. You know, some people are just assholes. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, that was amazing. That was a great, great that way to say that because, um, I've made it a couple of, of, friendly reminders around that is, you know, maybe stop looking at other people's toxic behavior and go look in the mirror and look mm -hmm. at your own, you know, it's like, you know, it's like enough, you know? Well, you're also talking about encouraging ownership too, is what I'm hearing, right? Oh, absolutely. Sometimes we're the asshole. Exactly. It's, you know, and so I'm very, very hard on myself and I, and I mm -hmm. tell people that a lot. You don't have to do it like me, but I, I don't, I don't want, Somebody pat me on the back and pacify yeah. me and say, it's going to be okay, you know, or, mm -hmm. or things like that. Mm -hmm. And I also talk about, you know, therapists, I push to, to whenever I see it is like, look, you know, where's the end game? Yeah, we see a lot of it online. There's a lot of almost like overvalidation in a way. I don't, I don't know. I, I saw so much extreme kind of polarized content. And that's part of what inspired me to start my own account. It was like the messaging was either kind of pull up your bootstraps, hustle culture, or um, no, like self-care, take, you know, slow down. And those kind of, those dichotomies were driving me crazy. And then when I, in 20, at the end of 2020, I had to have surgery for a benign brain tumor. Wow. And so in that recovery, I was, I started my account uh, a couple weeks after that surgery because I was just getting blasted with content, you know, as I was saying, kind of of those two, those two divergent paths. And I said, you know, I want my, I want to create an account where there's more nuance and I want to kind of show the both and it's both. It's both like get out of bed. You've been wallowing. And also if you don't validate those feelings, you know, it, they're going to be harder to, it will be, it will feel harder to become resilient. You know, they, they need to, we need support before we can move forward. So it's a both end. Yeah. That's why I've, 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 uh, what really, one of the things that leapfrogged me, my own victim recovery, victim mentality, whatever you want to call it, was finding cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. which I had already known about and I'd been exposed to, it, but I just never, yeah. I, you know, I didn't latch on to anything ever until I was, you know, I'm 62 now until I was north of 50. But the, the great thing about cognitive behavioral therapy, when it, when you, the goal is, yeah, you may have to jump back for a minute once you do connect some dots mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and go, okay, well, that was my dad. I mean, now, now okay. Yep. That's what he drove into my, 
my head every day. And well, he's dead or he's gone or I'm an adult now. It doesn't matter. It's Mm -hmm. over. So now we come back here and we understand that now we don't need to feel so strongly about that. We know what to work on and now we can go forward Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. you know, in a more positive way. So that's why I love that. Yeah. To your point, there's debates, especially on Twitter, don't ask me why, among therapists, you know, what's more effective, CBT or psychodynamic therapy? It's both exactly what you're just talking about. We need CBT. We also need to go back in time and and look at where our unhealthy patterns and our unhealthy core beliefs, right, where it all comes from. Because without that, CBT can take us only so far. We might keep bumping up against the same problems over and over. So, yeah, I mean, that that's right. I mean, it is it, it is a mix. And I think and that's what I really encourage people to do is like when I talk about mm-hmm. cognitive behavioral therapy, I said, research it. It's you can find great reads that are at a layman's level. <laughs> you know, it's not, yeah, it's not all of the so much of the psychobabble. You can certainly get into that and they can mm-hmm. really go that way. But so with social media. And I know you got on there 2.5 years ago and you gave a little backstory and, you know, you had, you know, the brain, you know, issue you were dealing with and kind of, I think, had something to do with moving you forward on that. Besides everything we've talked about, do you, is there, is it a huge value in your daily life? I mean, what is your actual personal relationship with social media? Is it used more as just a business tool? Oh, great question. It, I used to be more of a consumer of mental health count content and now I've kind of shifted more into a creative role. I enjoy that. I like being creative. It's an outlet for me. But as a consumer, I was getting really confused with the information that I was seeing out there. And I'm a therapist. So I can only really imagine what it was like for more lay people, right? There's a lot of conflicting information. There's a lot of half truth. There's a lot of things that are said so confidently as if they apply to everyone and they apply to like 10% of the people reading it. So that I really disagree with a lot of that. I encourage people to be, you know, let me back up. Do you want to hear more about as a consumer or creator? I want to hear both. Go ahead. Go for it. Yeah. I, I still consume content, even though I've shifted into more of a creator role. One of the things I really don't like about social media is when we're scrolling, we are exposed to, we'll be exposed to something that, that really makes you think. And then the next post makes you laugh. And then the next post is like a reel of two people hugging before one of them is dying. And then the next is a funny meme. That is just, for our nervous systems, that kind of parkouring back and forth between all those different emotions. I I think that's just crazy making. And we've normalized it because I guess we just don't really think about these things a lot of the times. But I don't think that that's healthy. So I try to avoid that. I don't follow accounts that evoke any kind of like heavy emotion from me because that's just not why what I want my experience to be but plenty of other people aren't as affected by that and that is great I also try to avoid parasocial relationships you know there's some accounts where it's like there's so much focus on what the influencer is doing watch me get ready and here's what I make for breakfast right and and so and they've got millions or hundreds of thousands of followers but but the point is that there's all these one-sided relationships with that person. Even though sometimes that can foster a sense of connection and help us feel less isolated, there's also a downside to that too. That person barely even knows 
or maybe they don't know at all that we exist. So these are the consumer of mental health or a consumer of social media. These are just things to be aware of. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you can get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash SelfCareSavage. That's better. H-E-L-P dot com slash SelfCareSavage. I agree a hundred percent. And that I, I, that's one of the reasons why starting, starting this podcast back last May and then kind of going through the motions and understanding what goes on with my social media and what I normally do, you know, we've made a shift into trying to spotlight people like you, you know, and you've got, you know, you've got your ways of doing it and you, you know, you're, so you got your no BS wisdom. Yes. Yeah. And I went through some of those. And of course it's a lot of the Soprano stuff. And, uh, love the Soprano. Yes. Uh, that was a great, it was an amazing show. Uh, and, um, that's a very giving spirit. I mean, that's, that's a way that you, like you've, you've said these things were, you just, you didn't like what you were seeing and you didn't feel like it represented mm-hmm. mental health the way it should be, or, you know, it'll be, it, Somebody will start out with something like uh, the top 10 worst narcissistic relationships or things that can happen in a narcissistic mm-hmm. relationship. And they'll go, number one, number two. And if you want to get the rest to go to the link in my book, mm-hmm. it's just all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's a real balance being self-promoting, but also being ethical about it and, um, so that's a lot of the BS that I call out too, unethical marketing strategies and hooks that are used to kind of, you know, get people's attention, but in a way that's just kind of grifty. There's a lot of that out there, as you said. It's a great word. I love that word, grifty. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's it. You're you're so right, and 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 again, that's I think what I've I'm trying to push right now too is is I think to, for people to get out of that. I th- yeah, I think it's it's really important to be able to have people to help people see through some of that stuff. Social media is it's not going away, and if you do want to have a voice, no matter what it is, even what we're trying to do, you have to be on it and you have to be active. Yeah, yeah, you know the, the benefits of social media they're they're vast. There's a lot of them, right? It helps people feel more connected. There's a sense of community, especially if you have like like such as in my case, a rare, a rare diagnosis or a rare illness or something. There can be there's a lot of support around that. Um, decreasing stigma around 
just mental health in general. That's been a huge advance in the last couple of years, in large part thanks to social media. Um, the ability to dispense information for free, as you said, just having discussions that we otherwise were not probably having. There's a lot of there's a lot of benefits of it, but then there's there's so many cons too. There's so much misinformation out there. It feels like shoveling against the tide every time I try to like make one post <laughs> that is rectifying or you know pointing out something that is just inaccurate that I saw that I'm trying to explain in a better way or whatever. Yeah, there's just a lot of content that oversimplifies complex ideas. Self-help online is trying to make self-help content like commodified. It's commodified mental health, basically. Here, buy, buy my book so that you can self-heal when, as you know, healing from trauma so, takes so much more than a book. Book can help us along the way. Your books like yours can help us along the way, but it's not the end all be all. It's not a panacea and it should never be marketed in a way that makes it seem like it would be. I mean, like you said, when you, when you first, you know, started talking about that, it was, you know, self, this whole self care is becoming a rage. They're and they're, they're, they're going to hook you with all that stuff and they're going to just jam it yeah. in your throat until you, until they make you sick. <laughs> You know, and it could really kind of make your world seem smaller. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing. That's why I always have one of the questions: What's your relationship? I always kind of want you're just reinforcing what most you know people we've been talking to are talking about. It's a it's a double edged sword, right? It's you know, yeah, the both and yeah, that's right, that's right, <laughs> both both great and not so great. Yeah. So you know, I always like, and especially somebody from a therapist or something like that is so. And you can speak from this actually from yourself or as you would also maybe counsel someone else on, but what are three to five things that you don't do or you advise people not to do because it is just hands down bad for your mental health? You mentioned before the how unhealthy it is to talk to ourselves harshly. And, and that's something that comes up so often in our therapy sessions. It's something that I've struggled with personally, right? Like rewiring that inner voice to be more compassionate in tone and content. For some of us, that's a lifelong journey. And, and so what I try to avoid is name calling anything that's putting myself down. Like, oh, that was stupid or you're stupid or, or, or should shitting on ourselves you should have you shouldn't you shouldn't have said to scott you know whatever whatever that kind of like harsh ruminative thinking can be so damaging and we 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 internalize that somewhere but we can unlearn that so therapy can be really helpful in that sense so so that's one thing that comes to mind comparing ourselves to people who have different abilities or different privileges is also so important. As I mentioned, I am hard of hearing. Sometimes I identify as deaf. If I can't read someone's lips, I identify as deaf because I function more as a deaf person. So me comparing myself comparing myself to someone who um, is able-bodied is not really fair for me. Comparing myself to someone who just has other abilities and natural talents, right? My point being, we all have different abilities and strengths. 
we have different strengths. So um, I think we, to be fair to ourselves, it's not compare out in that way. And, and similarly, like I said earlier, I try to avoid parasocial relationships. I don't follow celebrities really, except for the cast of The Sopranos, because they're the best. But there's no one that I follow who I am really envious of in a way that evokes a lot of like neg- negative feelings from me, if that makes sense. It does. It does. You know, the, the, one of the other things you talked about was, um, you know, the, again, the, uh, it was imposter syndrome. And I think you said that, that I think it, it was not, it's not imposter syndrome if you legitimately are unqualified. <laughs> no, that was, that was, that was amazing. Um, you know, there, there might be a time I'd love to maybe use that one and steal it as a friendly reminder that that's just a perfect mm-hmm. friendly reminder. So what, any others besides those, that was three good ones. Do you want to, any other ones that, that come at you or? Things I don't do. That you don't That's do. What, that was a question, right? Because it would be bad for your mental health. Yes. When it's sunny out, I make a point to be outside that day, even if it's just for five minutes. You know this. We need fresh air. We need to be outside. And that saved my life. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a big part of it. I absolutely get that. And I'm not outdoorsy like you are, though. My my friends were laughing. They were like, "You're you're going on a podcast with a guy that does hiking and whatnot. Like you're the you're the least outdoorsy person I know." <laughs> It's true. Yeah. Yeah, but the, unless the beach counts, I don't think that counts. So I, I'm going to definitely push and support that. I mean, it, it, and you you need not worry about the sun or what's going on. You just need to go outside. You know, I always tell everybody, and with everything too, with with therapists and things like that. Most of the time, even though it's missing a a uh, an end date or a um, you know, the goal of, of separating from your therapist at some point, most treatment plans, whether it is a, whether it's a doctor or an MD or, or a a life coach in a lot of ways and whatever, whoever's giving you some information and advice about what's going on with you, whether it's your anxiety or, you know, your low moods or whatever you're dealing with, Mm -hmm. usually one of the top three things on the treatment plan is going to be what? It's going to be go outside, mm-hmm. go breathe some freaking air, get in nature, you know, slow down, mm-hmm. calm down a little bit. Think, you know, take yourself out of the environment you're in and put it in something that does mm-hmm. lend itself to being usually healthier than where you're spending yeah. your time being unhealthy. <laughs> For some, some people also need to do that and add solitude and time un, unplugged from their phone, right? Because if we, we can actually just distract ourselves to the point where we're not feeling the feelings and we're not thinking about the things that we need to, we can just scroll, 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 watch TV, do work, right? You can actually get through the day without like thinking about anything uncomfortable if you design your life that way. But we, we're just delaying the inevitable. We're, self-care is giving ourselves space to even if it's for five minutes a day, think about the things that, you know, just reflect without the radio, without just be in silence, sit with your, sit with your thoughts. You can handle it. You know, in most cases, I know there's some cases where people have severe trauma. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about most, for most people, just be with your thoughts for a little bit, see what comes up. I would have loved to have found this path when I was 25 instead of north of 50. I know. You know, and but I and that's why I push so hard to get people 
whoever it is, you know, I have a lot of my following is young men that are 25 to 35 and it's there. They resonate a lot with that. Yeah. And they need role models like yourself. They need something a lot, a lot of times. But I just want to go back and add a little bit of nuance to what we were talking about. Some people who are listening need less time alone and they need to be around people more. We all have such different needs when it comes to self-care and mental health. Some people need to be alone more. Some people need to be alone less, right? We're, we're, that, and that is why when we see something on social media that says anything that's just kind of an absolute statement, take it all with a grain of salt. It is healthy to challenge these things and to question, hmm, is this for me or is this message for someone else? Or might this be true if I just add a, another qualifying statement to it? Not everything you see out there is going to be for you, but the internet wants you to think that's all for you. At least in my experience, it's, you're being sold a lot of messaging. That's right. It's, um, it's, it's the way it works out there. This is a question that we're starting to ask everybody. I keep redefining it. In fact, I'm redefining this question from last week. But what, what, what we've done maybe the last two times or, or this time is you get the last question to ask the community, your community, my community, whatever. And the goal here is, is to get them to then engage with you is to come to your platform and answer that question or my platform to, uh, you know, uh, answer that question. And then we can, so if you're game for that, it would just yeah, be, what is yeah. a, what, what is a well, question? I'm thinking along the lines of, of humor, like what made you laugh the hardest in the last day? If not, if you didn't laugh today, what about the last week? Were you with someone? Were you watching a certain show? How can you bring more laughter into your life? That's a good one. That might be, that might always be the best one. That's perfect. Yeah. So I think the, hopefully we'll get some some uh, activity with that because I think that's a great question for everybody. Who doesn't want to remember what they belly laughed about last week or whenever the last time or what mm-hmm. brings them joy and laughter and things like that? Absolutely. Yeah. That's perfect. That's perfect. I think we need it. We need it like air, I think. So, yes, we do. Well, yeah. Um, feel free to follow me on Instagram at no, no.bf.therapist or Twitter for X, formerly known as Twitter. I am tweet a therapist. I'm not changing it to X a therapist. <laughs> and her handles, all that will also be attached into the show notes. So, um, anybody can go Thank look you. in there too. So, well, thanks so much for Thank coming you. on here. I, I so enjoy getting to meet you. and Likewise. Thank you for listening. And I hope my podcast has helped you in some way taking the path to becoming a self-care savage. Make sure to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.